Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. This Saturday is our military appreciation game uh, that we have each year. And obviously a sweater that I have on, but I wanted to personally thank all of the veterans, all of the military and their families for the sacrifices they have put forth for us to have uh, a wonderful living situation in this great nation. And just wanted to personally thank them. And, and uh, I know Under Armour and the University of South Carolina uh, really support uh, all branches of our military, and I want to make sure I, I opened it up with that. Got uh, Texas A&M here Saturday night on ESPN, 7 o'clock kickoff at Williams-Brice. You know, I got a lot of respect for Jimbo. Um, they have a, a really good football team, four returning starters on their offensive line, um, four seniors on their offensive line. Kellen Mond, who's a, a four-year starter to quarterback position, I think is very efficient in what they do offensively. Spiller has really come on for them as a running back. Uh, Smith, uh, they use him in a lot of different ways. He's a really good, uh, you know, playmaker for them in the punt return game as a running back, as a receiver in the slot, and does some different things there. Uh, Jimbo does a nice job of utilizing him. I think the tight end is a really good player. You know, in the off week, I think we had some really good tight ends in our league. We looked ahead a little bit on some opponents uh, down the road, and I think Georgia's got a really good young tight end coming. Uh, Ole Miss has got a really good tight end. Obviously, we've played Pitts already at Florida, uh, and, and uh, uh, Weidermeyer uh, at Texas A&M is a very well-rounded guy. He's an every-down guy, can block at the point of attack, uh, catches the ball extremely well, and they feature him in the passing game. So, uh, really good football player. Uh, some talented young wideouts they like. You know, defensively, some very good rushers on the edge, three and eight and two, all create some issues for you in the passing game. They're big inside. A very active uh, Buddy Johnson has been there for a while. It's the linebacker and O'Neal and Richardson are really good safeties that are active in, in the game as well. And they've got some really good specialists to kick off. Most of them go out of the end zone. Uh, really good punters done a nice job, a left footer. So uh, looking forward to an opportunity to get back on the field. Uh, disappointed, obviously, with our last outing. And I know our guys are excited to get back out in, in front of our crowd here in, in Columbia. I'm looking forward to our uh, night to appreciate the military and play Texas A&M. And I'll open up for any questions. Welcome in. It is GC Live. Glad to have everybody out there. Happy Tuesday. Happy Election Day. Happy Will Muschamp talks to the media day as the Gamecocks get ready for Texas A&M Saturday night, williams Price Stadium, and uh, what should be another intriguing game and what has been, I would say, at least uh, an intriguing season so far. South Carolina obviously sitting at two and three, some ups, some downs, but an intriguing year 
nonetheless. So, Will Muschamp, and, and also, by the way, National Sandwich Day. I had no idea. That's what I saw on Twitter. I don't know. If y'all want to throw me your favorite sandwiches, maybe we'll hit on that at some point as well. Uh, but a lot going on today, a lot going on with Will Muschamp. As you just heard there, he, he always sort of gives you – he makes our job easy. He always sort of gives you this breakdown of the opponent right off the bat and what has stood out on film you know, with, with that opponent so far. Obviously, we know about Kellen Mond. We know about Isaiah Spiller. But I, I think as you sort of go a little bit deeper with this Texas A&M team, you see four returning starters on the offensive line, as Will Muschamp said. I, I pulled up so their their pro football focus stuff. You have quite a bit of kids on this defensive front that have been really good at getting pressure, and it's not just one guy. Quite a few guys that have uh, you know been able to get pressure and and put these guys in a position to where they're a team that defensively they're getting pressure on quarterbacks and offensively they're not giving up pressure on Kellen Mond. So Kellen Mond has been really good this year. He's been way more efficient and he um, essentially, I would say, is playing like a senior for Texas A&M this year, which I think at times, if you look at Kellen Mond and his career, you know, this was a five-star guy. And I think there there were very, very high expectations on Kellen Mond. And I think a guy that you looked and you were sort of waiting to see what, what the ceiling was, how, how good could he be during his career. I don't know that he's necessarily become that flashy guy that I expected him to be or dynamic player that I expected him to be. But this year, he, he's been much more, I would say, efficient. I think he's only thrown two interceptions. He's thrown like 12 touchdowns. Has not run the football a lot. Really hasn't had to. This, I think early on with Mond, you saw a guy who did a lot with his legs. And that, that's still an area, I think, if you're South Carolina, you have to be aware of. But I don't think that's the way this offense is built. This offense is built to spread the football around, get the ball to Isaiah Spiller, um, Mond, as I said, very efficient passing the football. They have several guys that are right around that 20-catch mark. It's built very differently from South Carolina. It's not that you have one. They don't have a version of Shy Smith that's going to catch all their passes. But the more you sort of look into the stats and read up on them and look back at what they've done this year, it's been a situation where they have spread the football around to, to multiple guys. Muschamp talked about Wiedemeyer, their tight end, and I think, again, another mismatch situation that you have to worry about at the tight end position. We, we saw what Pitts you know, could do earlier this year. Not sure. This kid isn't quite on the same level as Pitts, not quite the same skill set as Pitts, but and, and kind of differ, I would say, 
than um, Eric Gilbert, who we saw for LSU. We talked about him a pretty good bit going into that game, and we saw him. I don't know what his stats were. I can't remember what his stats were in that game, but he, he made a few plays, and you saw the athletic ability there from Gilbert. So I think you, you look, and again, Wiedermeyer is, is a guy who has been really good for them. He's first on the team in receptions, second in reception yardage, but he's also a big guy, 6'5", 260-something uh, pounds, can do a little bit of everything. So to Fred's point, you know, that it's not going to matter if South Carolina can't stop the run. I would say that's true, but also I think with A&M, you you have an offense that if you don't stop the run, they really can put you in a bad spot because they can spread the football around all over the place. I think the most difficult thing to stop in football is going to be a balanced attack like this. So it, it does, I would say, represent a tough matchup for South Carolina. And, and we knew that. I think even on paper, just looking at Mind and Spiller, this was going to be a difficult matchup where you say the South Carolina defense has to play much better. And it's not that they can't. Certainly, I think they are still capable. There are areas on this team that can be cleaned up. Uh, there is play... There are plays that are there that can be cleaned up, I think, defensively. But they are going to have to start to show some of that, getting off blocks better, um, playing assignments better on defense, pursuing the football better, um, tackling a bit better in space at times, although I don't know if that's the top issue South Carolina has had. But certainly room for improvement on South Carolina's defense, and if you're a South Carolina fan, you got to hope that they are able to, to do that um welcome in to everybody by the way we are as always brought to you by affordablemedicalusa.com they are home of the game day chair go to affordablemedicalusa.com check it out the absolute perfect way if you're not going out to williams Bryce stadium on saturday if you want to stay home check out the game day chair perfect place to sit back relax have a couple of columbia crafts if that's your thing Watch the Gamecocks, watch A&M, and have the absolute best seating arrangement you can have for South Carolina versus Texas A&M on Saturday. I would say a typical Will Muschamp press conference. You had, obviously, your normal sort of quick rundown of A&M, which if you heard the beginning of the show, you, you heard what Muschamp had to say about him, or about them, I should say. And then I think... You had your normal questions when you you would get about the election, election day, stuff like that. Both, you know, what are the players doing today? They have an NCAA mandated day off to go vote. Most of South Carolina's team has already voted. There were a handful of guys who wanted to vote today that were given transportation by the school out to uh, to vote as well. So that, of course, came out a little a little bit of injury talk and. With that, you have the uh, debut of Alex Huntley on, on Saturday, potentially, now available. And, of course, I, I think as yesterday went on, y'all, it was pretty clear that Colin Hill was going to be a starting quarterback. But Muschamp confirming that completely today. So I, I don't know. 
I don't know if y'all consider that to be newsworthy or not. Obviously, it was the the first question in the press conference. Will Colin Hill start at quarterback? And Muschamp very quickly, you know, said yes, he will. Now he did go on to talk a little bit about Luke Doty. And as we talked about yesterday, when this whole Doty rumor that Doty could start, obviously not true. It started Sunday night into yesterday. We talked about how we still believe Colin Hill would, would be the starter on Saturday, but there's a chance Doty could play a little bit more as this season progresses, potentially starting starting out on Saturday. Um, and, and Muschamp actually was asked a little bit about what the guys were able to do, both Helensky and Doty, during the bye week. They did get a little bit of extra work and potentially what Doty's role could be for South Carolina moving forward. And we'll go to Muschamp on that right now. Hey, Will, uh, is the plan still to start Colin Hill at quarterback on Saturday? Yes. And did you and Mike have any discussions about giving another guy a look? Um, just how did those go over this bye week? Well, Ryan and, and Luke both got a lot of reps, and I thought both guys did, you know, did a nice job and continued to improve and get better, and we feel like Colin gives us our best chance to win. Uh, hey, Will, I wanted to ask, uh, how, how much uh... – were you able to see kind of from Luke in terms of just obviously third stringers don't get a lot of reps during regular game week. How much more were you able to see from him over the bye? And do you feel like his role changes at all coming off those first five games? Well, he continues to improve. He's been very impressive as far as the different things we're asking him to do. Cause he's obviously different from Colin and Ryan uh, athletically. So there's some different things that we're asking him to do at the quarterback position, as opposed to what we're asking Colin and Ryan to do. So, uh, but I think he's continued to progress with that package and has done a nice job. So, yeah, um, there's Champ on Luke. And I, I think one thing we talked about yesterday that has only been sort of confirmed to me, it, it seems sort of like the wide receiver experiment for Doty is, is kind of over. Um, is there a chance you could maybe see him out there in some type of trick play or something like that? I don't know, maybe, but it seems like the approach moving forward has been get Doty ready to, to play quarterback and, and see what he can potentially do from adding a, a new skill set to that position and you know being someone that, that maybe gives you a little change of pace when things aren't going well on, on offense. Now, I, I think generally when I, when I think of getting a guy in there who is a little bit better with his legs – Obviously, we saw a very quick flash of that against LSU. The the one play uh, that, that Doty had, the eight-yard run down there at the goal line. And, you know, we, we saw it in high school as well. We if, if you saw his highlights or you saw him in person, you saw the athleticism. We know he's one of the faster guys on the team. But generally, I sort of think of of using a quarterback like that in run situations, short yardage, goal line, and if you look so far this year, especially up until the Saturday, you know, Saturday, two Saturdays ago against LSU, South Carolina had been very, very good in red zone situations and especially good at scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. So those situations where maybe you would have gone to Doty potentially, I think South Carolina probably felt comfortable keeping their their offense, their usual offense on the field. But moving forward, certainly you you have to continue to find playmakers. There are going to be some games. 
I think if you look forward at, at the way these games set up, unless South Carolina's defense improves significantly, which could could be possible, we'll, we'll all find out on, on Saturday. Unless South Carolina's defense improves significantly, then even though the offense has been, I, I still say, a pleasant surprise. They've outplayed my expectations and probably most of the fan base's expectations for them so far. Even though the offense has been a surprise, you're probably going into some of these games saying that you're, you're almost going to have to put it on the offense to go win a game go win multiple games, I think. Because you start looking forward, Texas A&M, I think, is as balanced as they have been offensively in, in recent memories. And I look, you know, the game last year played out very differently than the final score would indicate. It was 13-3 to after three quarters. You know, fourth quarter, South Carolina is a position where they're having to sort of do some different stunts, slant their defensive line, bring extra pressure, do things they're not really used to doing in order to try and, and get the ball off of A&M. Had some guys get bounced out of gaps. A&M has a couple of long runs. They put the game away late when South Carolina, frankly, had an offense that that just did not move the football in that game. So Jimbo was able to go very conservative, sort of just play play to the situation of the game. It's 13 to 3 going into the fourth quarter, but South Carolina's offense had showed really no ability to consistently stay on the field against AM last year. So I think you look at this game as well as South Carolina's defense played against AM for most of that game last year, if they got a similar performance to that this year, then you'd say they have a chance. But also, we have to take into account what we've seen most of 2020, and I would even say especially the last two games because I I throw Auburn in there. The way Auburn was able to go up and down the field on South Carolina, they were able to get those stops, uh, you know, both in forced field goals and in interceptions. When you look at this game, I think it comes down to like most of South Carolina's games will. They're they're going to give up some yards inside, you know, inside the twenties or outside of the twenty, I should say, outside of the red zone. They're going to give up yards on defense, more than likely, on paper. So can they force field goals? Can they get the ball off of of a And M? Problem being, eight generally the times that quarterbacks make mistakes is when they're pressured. It's when they don't have a clean pocket. They're getting hit when they throw. They're having to get the ball out early. Again, Mond has just two interceptions this year. He's only been sacked twice this year. So that doesn't really, again, we're talking on paper. We don't know how the game's going to play out. That doesn't really most of the time give you many opportunities to get the ball off of people. So uh, there was a question on there uh, from Ernest. Disagree or agree? This is the best chance to beat A&M since 2014. I, I would say no. I actually think – now, go, going into last year, 
that was a game where South Carolina just had not done anything on offense going into that game, and it did not look good for South Carolina to win that game either. So do they have a better chance than they did last year? Maybe so. Now, two years ago, I, I remember going into that game thinking South Carolina, you know, probably had had a decent chance. The year before that, South Carolina goes to A&M as an underdog, but has a 17-7 to lead in the second half against A&M and hit some big plays early. They hit a big ball to, to Shai Smith. So this game on paper, to me, this game on paper has leaned A&M pretty much every year of the Muschamp era. But then as it's played out, for the most part, South Carolina has hung in there and managed to to keep the game close. So will that be the case on Saturday? Um, we, you know, Who knows? We'll find out. But certainly when you have a defense that gives up yardage up and down the field, you're going to have to rely on turnovers, which are very unpredictable, and you're going to have to rely on great red zone defense, which South Carolina, I would say, had played pretty well to an extent in that area until the LSU game, which, which obviously it was not the case against them. So let's see. I'm going to go through the chat here and try to get caught up. I got a lot to catch up on here. Let's see. Travis says he expects 30 a game. That's all Bobo knows how to do. And, you know, there. if you look back, I was thinking about this. The fact South Carolina is averaging right at 30 points a game. You know, Pearson Fowler, who, who used to do the podcast with us, and is on 107.5, he had this running thing last year about could South Carolina score 30 points at at any point during the year against an FBS opponent. And you look, and and even if you go back to the Vanderbilt game last year, South Carolina's offense, what, they score 24 in that game? I mean, down the stretch, South Carolina scored three points against Clemson, six against Texas A&M, 15 against App State, 24 against Vandy, 21 against Tennessee, 27 against Florida, 20 at Georgia, 24 against Kentucky, 14 against Missouri, 23 against Alabama. Obviously, the big blowout over Charleston Southern doesn't really count if you're just talking FBS teams, and then 20 against UNC. So... I mean, you go back even before that, shutout against Virginia, 28 points against Akron. I remember them not scoring in the second half at all that game. So you'll have to go all the way back to November 24th of the 2018 season, the Clemson game, South Carolina lost 56 to 35, before you see them scoring over 30 points in a game. So to go from that to South Carolina sort of consistently being sort of around that that 30 mark, um, obviously pushed up a little bit by by the Vandy total. But still, I, I don't know. That I, and I see there's still – there's always a small segment of, of people that will question everything, um, you know, within a fan base. So there's still a few people who are maybe against what the offense has done. But considering all of that and considering South Carolina lost Brian Edwards, lost – what all all their major running backs from last year lose you know a tight end that that played a ton last year in Kyle Markway 
considering all those things, I think you absolutely have to be impressed with what South Carolina has uh, has done so far uh, on offense. And and I'm curious to see with the bye week, with five games of tape, with five games of data, what does South Carolina do moving forward? What do they do to sort of adjust and build off of what they've done so far? I think if you want to talk big picture macro with this game, staying in the game enough to continue to feed a Kevin Harris, continue to feed a Deshaun Fenwick, and put the offense in a place where they can still do their thing. The problem with the LSU game, a lot of people obviously question, how do you get blown out by that LSU team? Well, when you have a pick six, when you have a kickoff return allowed for touchdown, and you're not able to force any field goal, you know, field goals from the opponent. You're they're scoring a bunch of touchdowns. You know, they only kick one field goal. You put yourself in a position with an offense that wants to be run first, whereby this sort of what the midway point of the third quarter, you know you kind of have to score on, on every play, on every drive, and you're trying to score fast. So to me, a big picture key to this game, regardless of how you get there. You know, we can talk about stopping the run. We can talk about, you know, not giving up explosives in the passing game. We can talk about covering the tight end. Regardless of all the little micro reasons of how you get there, the key to South Carolina Saturday, and I would say in every game moving forward, is just to give themselves a chance to let Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick be the focal points of this offense and that you're staying in the game enough to where you're still doing what you plan to do on offense and not getting out of your game plan in the first place. And I do think as you look forward that with the running game established, a little bit more comfort level within this offense, that you will see a team that will be pretty well-rounded on offense. Shai Smith will continue to get the football. I think the tight ends will continue to get the ball. And I think as the year goes on, Jalen Brooks will have every chance to sort of introduce himself into this offense. I, I will say, I think this A&M defense is good. But if there's an area that I think South Carolina can maybe exploit, this could be a big week for South Carolina's tight ends. Because if you look, at least going by PFF grades, if you look at what A&M does on defense, their linebackers, and, and their entire front, really, their, their front four, um, their defensive linemen, those guys are, are all pretty good. And their, their linebackers are re- really good tacklers. They play, the well, they play the run well from everything I can tell, but they haven't necessarily been great in coverage. And just looking at the numbers, it does seem like their linebackers have been picked on a little bit in coverage. So – Maybe that's an area where South Carolina can exploit something, uh, you know, get those guys. If you can stress them both vertically down the seam and stress them in the running game with Harris, then that is a formula where South Carolina can maybe stay on the field on offense and and make some plays. So we'll we'll see. Just keep that one. You know, we, we always try to give you things on the show to keep in the back of your mind. So just keep that thought in the back of your mind 
on Saturday that maybe South Carolina can exploit these linebackers in the passing game moving forward. All right, so I'm, I'm going to try to try to hit a couple of these questions. Um, I'm way behind on the chat, y'all, so I'm going to try to go through these. Shane, um, do you think a win will set the tone for the rest of the year? I think it depends on what you do with a win, Shane. And, and the, the reason I say that is we've seen, you know, we've seen South Carolina get big wins. We saw them beat Georgia last year. We saw them beat Auburn, obviously, uh, three weeks ago. We, we've seen it happen. Can you build off of it? I, I think that that's going to be, even if you win the game Saturday, that's the million-dollar question. Can you build off of it? Can you go out and and beat a very beatable Ole Miss team, but an Ole Miss team that presents its own huge array of matchup issues for South Carolina that we will, of course, get into next week. But I think it's big. it's big for the fan base. If you win Saturday, it puts you in a situation where you at least feel like South Carolina is going to compete in – the final four games after that. If you don't win Saturday, you're two and four. There's a ton of pressure and it puts you're you're fighting just to get to five hundred this year. And and obviously that that's not what anybody over there wants. All right, I'm gonna hit y'all's chat again. Let's see. Trey says it's frustrating to watch Hill drop back on critical third downs, knowing the other team is about to bring the house and not protect him. And I, I think that goes back to being able to stay within, you know, stay within your your offense, stay within your game plan, and, and not have to not have to put yourself in situations where they know you're going to drop back to pass because that that's when you have issues. That's when you know South Carolina as an offensive line. I don't think pass protection is their strength anyway. They're really good. They've been they've been really good in the run blocking, and this this run scheme I think fits these five guys very well. It's it's a really good fit. It's a good fit for Harrison Fenwick as well. But when when pass pro is not your strength anyway, and then you end up in some situations where you sort of have to uh, have to throw, and they know you're going to have to throw. And whether it's because it's third and long, or whether it's because you know that's a down and distance situation, or whether you're having to throw because of the score and the time left, you know those things dictating it. Either way, this is not an offensive line that that's going to be a strength for them. And most offensive linemen, that's in offensive lines, that's not going to be a strength. But in particular, I think for South Carolina, that's not going to be a strength for them. By the way. Two of the things Muschamp said that South Carolina focused on the most this week in practice, as we all know, run defense being a huge emphasis, but the exact thing you're talking about, Trey, emphasis on better protecting the passer and on the timing of the passing game. I, I think one thing we've, we've all seen, we've all talked about it, is that against LSU, the ball did not get out fast enough. It led to some sacks, and I think there's maybe – that that was obviously a problem, and I'm not saying it's not, but I, I do think people are maybe being a little bit hard on Hill because I think that's an adjustment he can make. Is he ever going to be a dual-threat guy? No, but I do think there's been a an adjustment from 
playing in the Mountain West to playing its SEC defenders and just how fast those edge rushers for LSU are able to go from being blocked to disengaging and then closing in on the quarterback. I I think there's a little bit of an adjustment period there. I know we're five games in, but LSU really, to me, their their pass rush took it to another level. And I I think one thing to watch on Saturday that I'll be interested to see, because I I see a lot of people's comments about the ball's got to be out faster. And I agree, certainly against LSU, the ball had to be out faster. But is that an adjustment that Hill can make? Is that something that he can fix moving forward? Or is that just part of his game that that's going to be an issue moving forward? I I don't know. We will find out on Saturday. All right, I'm going to keep going through. See, Corey, are you more concerned this week about South Carolina potentially, potentially trying to come back and not playing their tempo of offense? Or worried about our defense not getting pressure? I'm not sure what's more concerning going into this week. I don't think, Corey, you have to worry about South Carolina changing, making wholesale changes to their offense, especially from a tempo standpoint. They're, they're going to do what they do on offense with tweaks here and there. For the most part, you'll see the same things, but you're going to see Bobo. Bobo's offense will always sort of, uh, I would say, change, but – the base stuff will always be there, but from week to week, you're going to see him make tweaks and little adjustments uh, along the way. But for the most part, I, I don't see a ton of change in the offense from what South Carolina has been doing that, that has worked for the most part. I think, Corey, your, your biggest concern going into this game absolutely should be South Carolina's ability slash inability to get pressure and to stop the run because – if Mond is sitting there, if they're getting six yards a carry on first down in the running game, and then Mond is able to sit there and, and pick you apart in the passing game, then they're, they're going to be very, very difficult to stop. And it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, again, like I said earlier, it's going to come down to can South Carolina stop them in the red zone? Can they force a bunch of field goals? If they force a bunch of field goals, they'll have a chance. If A&M is scoring every time they get down there, then it's going to potentially be uh, a long night. So let's see. Keep going through y'all's chat. Uh, let's see. Rush said if Russ said if Harris is the bus, can Fenwick be the Hellcat? I saw you said that on Twitter, Russ. I'm 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 down for that. I'm in for that. What do y'all think? Fred, the word of the season is definitely consistency. I agree with that. Uh, let's see. If I if I missed y'all's questions, just send them again. Cause I I've I've gotten way behind on them. Um. All right, I don't think I missed any, but if I did, y'all just shoot them back in. I'm shooting back to the bottom of the chat here. Okay, so other than quarterback, which I think, again, I don't know if y'all consider that breaking news or not, or or newsworthy or not, that that Colin Hill would be the starting quarterback. Other than that, the injury updates were, 
I would say at least interesting. Alex Huntley going to make his debut potentially on Saturday. And Muschamp also talked a bit about some young players that caught his attention in practice this past week, which I think everybody's always intrigued by young guys. I love to hear about the young guys. I know y'all probably love to hear about the young guys because, you know, they, they have potential. You want to know who the future of the program is going to be. So here, here's Will Muschamp talking a bit about the youth on the team and, and some guys that caught his caught his eye during the bye week. Uh, again, I think that we ended every all three days with a uh, emphasis on younger guys participating. Uh, you know, Rico Powers is a young receiver that continues to come on for us. Rashad Amos, uh, you know, a young running back, excited about the offensive lineman. Most of those guys, uh, Bershon has obviously played uh, and started a game. Uh, Tyshawn Wanamaker is another player that we feel like continues to come on. Um, you know, good movement inside. Uh, Jaheim Bell's made some strides at the tight end position. Uh, Got to have him continue to come on for us. I think Mo Kaba is another guy that uh, – you know, continues to improve at the linebacker position. We need him to keep coming for us. Alex Huntley, uh, expect for him to play Saturday night. A uh, guy that continues to make some strides is now healthy off the ankle and uh, thought he did some really good things in the open date. And obviously, uh, again, on Sunday night and last night and uh, both of those practice and preparation. Um, you know, and there's some other guys that have made some strides. Those are the ones off the top of my head that I think have made uh, continued to improvement that catch your eye. Uh, that, that obviously can help us as we continue to move forward. So the biggest news there obviously being that Alex Huntley will make his debut on Saturday. I don't I don't know I don't know necessarily if it's fair to put crazy expectations on Boogie for this week because I mean mi- missing all that practice time for a young player particularly one playing, you know, on the defensive front. You always hear coaches say defensive tackle um, is one of the hardest positions to play right off the bat for a true freshman because the closer you are to the ball, the harder it is to play early. And I, I think that comes with the strength, the size that you have to have to play inside, and, you know, really just being a freshman in those in those spots is difficult. But – I will say I think I think Boogie is a, is a kid that, for one, and everybody from that Hammond program, which is like five minutes down the road from where I'm sitting right now, everybody from that Hammond program would tell you that Boogie Huntley is a leader, he's a worker, he's a weight room warrior, he's the type of guy you want on your football team. And Boogie, I mean, I, I saw him – I saw him at a Hammond game before, I think it was right before, it was the week before the season, and it was actually right before he rolled his ankle. And you could already tell that Boogie had reshaped his body physically compared to the way he looked just months prior when I had seen him, you know, sort of finishing up his time at at Hammond. So he's someone... I don't know what fair expectations are for him down the stretch. I do think he, he's a kid that has a really bright future in this program, someone that's going to help South Carolina on the interior. But just having a, having somebody else who can play on the inside, who can provide some depth, who can you know help you out there, 
is, is certainly, I, I think, a potentially big deal for this defense. Or even if it's not a big deal, it's at least a deal, right? Like it, it at least is helpful that you have another option to potentially rotate somebody in. I will say down the stretch, the guy that I, I think South Carolina maybe needs to to step up the most on the interior is, you know, somebody like like Rick Sandage. Can Rick Sandage get to a spot where the staff feels comfortable playing him more and he can be a little bit bigger body on the inside of that defensive front? Because right now, not do they miss Javon Kinlaw? Certainly. Javon Kinlaw, there's a reason he's playing in the NFL right now. But I think this front, I think they miss Kobe Smith as well. I think Kobe was a guy that just went about his business, was a big body in the middle, held at the point of attack, and helped South Carolina's other players make plays. And right now, the problem is you start to see offensive linemen getting to the linebackers, getting to that second level. And it's a situation where you really just, at the very least, even if the defensive line is not making plays for you, you need them to be able to hold up and allow somebody like Ernest Jones not to have a linebacker, or excuse me, not to have an offensive lineman in his face when he's trying to go make a tackle. So it's not always just about the defensive line making a big play. It's about them holding the point of attack. So Ernest is making the tackle at the line of scrimmage you know, as opposed to five or six yards downfield when he's having to get off of an offensive lineman's block just to go make a play. So I think that's a key. We, we know Ernest Jones is going to get his tackles. He always racks them up. But where, you know, where, where is he making those tackles uh, is always sort of a little bit of an ind- indicator throughout a game of whether or not things are going well for you you know, in the run, the run stopping side of things. So we'll see. But, but yeah, I'm excited for Boogie. Great kid, great family. Comes from a great program down the road at Hammond. And I'll be curious to see. I, I Based on what we've seen from this staff, I think you probably e- they'll probably ease Boogie back in there or ease Boogie in there for the first time. But even if he gets, you know, a handful of snaps, seven, eight, nine snaps, that maybe allows you to give some of these other guys a, a little bit of a of a of a blow. So you know, I think I think that's always helpful. They've had some guys banged up in the front seven, some guys banged up on the defensive line. So having Boogie step right in there could be big as far as somebody that can can take some take some snaps away. Uh, let's see a couple more questions here. Is Green back or is he still recovering? From what I've heard, uh, Sharai Green is still recovering, so I do not have a, I do not have like a, a expected recover, an updated expected recovery time on him. But I, I will say I, I have not heard anything about him being back this week. Had a question about the quarterback position. Alex Alex Cloud from YouTube says after Colin Hill's performance against LSU, who should be the starting quarterback? who's a future quarterback, can help this team win more games. I think, and I, I talked about this some um, probably yesterday. I know I talked about it last week. 
I think we get way ahead of ourselves on making personnel changes after one game. Because I, I think Colin Hill, for the most part, has played pretty well this year. It's very easy to get, you know, sort of the, the most recent game always stands out in our minds. And it's very easy to just remember what happened against LSU. It's the most fresh memory you have about watching the quarterback. And it's natural that the quarterback is going to hear gripes when your team doesn't win. That said, I think you're only five games in. For four of those five games, I thought he'll play pretty well. I don't think quarterback, unless Steve Spurrier is your coach and you signed up to play for Steve Spurrier and you know Steve Spurrier has a little different approach to quarterbacks. He yanks them in and puts them, you know, yanks them out and puts them back in and switches them out. He treats them more like any other position on the field than any other coach on the planet. Well, unless you treat that position like Steve Spurrier treats it, there are repercussions to pulling your quarterback because you've spent all week long building that guy up to be your quarterback. You've built him up within the locker room. He's supposed to be your team leader within the locker room. Generally, you don't see for, for and this is for a reason, you generally don't see coaches say, This is our guy, and then go back on that unless you're making the change for good. Now, the thing is, everybody gives this staff a lot of flack for saying they won't make a change at quarterback. But if you go back to their very first year, they did make the move, and they went to Jake Bentley at midseason. They used a bye week to get Jake Bentley ready. So it's not as if the Will Muschamp staff has just never made a change at quarterback. They will make changes at quarterback. But right now, I think we tend to look at that position as things just being like like on Madden or the NCAA video game that you can just switch guys in and out. And if they're not playing well, you just take them out. Well, most coaches don't look at that position that way because I think there are repercussions to making a change. Now, I also see this thought process that says basically South Carolina is wasting their time by having an older guy at that position. Well, right now, Colin Hill, Colin Hill can come back next year. So really, it's like having a junior at the quarterback position. So if, if you think he gives you the best chance to win now and he's coming back next year, then – I don't think there's necessarily that huge push to make a change there that that the fan base sort of that some in the fan base you know believes uh, there is. So that that's just my take. Obviously, feel free to disagree. I'm, I mean, I'm as high on Luke Doty as anybody. Don't get me wrong at all on that. I think, I think Luke is a future starting quarterback at South Carolina. I've been high on Luke Doty since I first saw him in the eighth grade and, and wrote about him. So I'm I'm all in on, on Luke Doty. I just don't know that throwing him into the fire and just starting him right now against a top-ten team and putting all that pressure on him, 
I, I don't know if that's the move. If if somebody gets hurt, if you're like LSU, you have to put in TJ Finley against South Carolina. By all means, if you have to make a move, you make a move. But I don't think I think you would like to ease your your young quarterback in and not just throw him into the fire because this is a pretty in-depth offensive scheme. It's not your typical just high school spread offense like a lot of kids are running in, in high school. A lot of them are running very similar high school offenses. This is this is different. It's a pro-style offense. You would have to make a lot of changes to the offense, I think, as far as doing things to use Luke Doty's skill set to um, – you know, to the best of the team's ability. So I, I'm much more in line with the thought process of get Luke Doty involved a little bit more, try to use his legs, try to, you know, and I'm not saying you just put him out there and just run him. You can use his legs to open up things in the passing game as well. But I'm much more on the side of start Colin Hill and then use Luke Doty in some other ways within the game, just because you do have a lack of playmakers still. You are looking for guys who can go make plays for you. And I believe that Luke Doty is a guy who can absolutely go make some plays for you. So Travis Ford says this is crap. I mean, I I, I don't – you're going to have to tell me more of what you mean by that. That's not really an answer. Um So many broken pieces. Quarterback is. I, I do. I do agree that quarterback is the least of the problems. I don't think Champ Bobo can evaluate nor develop a quarterback. Why Bobo's been at South Carolina for one year? Why? Why are we? Why are we? I mean, if, if Bobo is not a South Carolina problem at all, Bobo has been one of the bright spots of this South Carolina team, and Bobo's history with quarterbacks. It is actually really very good. So I don't know why you would lump Bobo into that. Uh, let's see. Going through y'all's chat again real quick. Craig says, uh, would you guys rather Jake come back this year and start over here, start over Hill? Bentley would have another year as well. That's an int- somebody else asked me that who would start Jake Bentley or Colin Hill if they were both on the team. I said that Hill probably wouldn't have transferred in if Bentley was still here, but uh, I don't I don't know that for a fact. J Dub says, "How do we know he isn't better than Hill?" Well, we don't know, but I mean the. Coaches obviously have a little bit better feel for that than, than we do. Trey says it's been the same song and dance year in and year out at quarterback. Last time we were highly successful was with Shaw, a mobile quarterback. Um, what what does the same song and dance mean? I don't I don't get exactly what you mean there. Graham asks, can we expect most of these seniors to return next season? You know, I, I think that's that's going to be one of the more interesting. Storylines this offseason will be whether or not this the seniors and across the country, not just with South Carolina, whether or not the seniors 
are more likely to come back or more likely just to sort of the, the guys that are sort of on that line of are they an NFL guy or are they able to, uh, you know, wh- where does the average college football player that has another year, how do they see this? Do they say, oh, I've got another year, I want to come back? Or do they see it more like, I just want to, I'm, I'm old enough that I just want to get out into the world and, and sort of move along. So that that to me will be interesting to follow. I, I get the impression most of these guys that our seniors aren't going to speak on, you know, whether they're coming back or not until the end of the year. And most of them, I'm, I'm sure they've thought about it in the back of their minds, but for the most part, I think it's just going to be highly individualized decisions. Will he'll be back? You know, I, I would guess so. Will Shy Smith be back? I think Shy will have a decision to make. I think Parker. There was they had hinted that Parker White would would come back, but I think he even got asked and, and said he he wasn't sure yet. So most of these guys, I got a feeling, will wait and sort of just see what uh you know what some of their peers are doing. They'll sit down with the staff and, and they'll make a decision. Alex says, what should we expect with Parker White doing kickoffs now? I think he'll be I think he'll be solid in that area. We saw Parker handle kickoffs earlier in his career when he was younger. And really the, the issue there has just been I think Parker, first of all, is a guy who can just boot it through the end zone. Second of all, he, he's an accurate kid, has an accurate leg, and can put the put the ball where you need, which is how South Carolina sets their kickoff coverage. So yeah, I think I think that will be an improvement. South Carolina really does not, I would say, does not like to do that. They like to have somebody different, like to have a, a place kicker and a kickoff specialist. But whenever they're in a situation where they've given up some yards and given up a touchdown because of kick placement, then it, it makes sense just to let Parker do both. Uh, yeah, Kyle, I think that's I think that's a good point. It's going to be interesting to see how the expanded rosters and how the scholarships and all that affects recruiting and, as Fred says, how it affects the, the NFL draft. So we'll see. By the way, I did tease that we we're going to talk a little bit of recruiting. A new offer today, y'all, from a guy that I think is worth um, – it's worth y'all taking a look at. And I think someone South Carolina is going to be in good shape with. Uh, Byron Young, a junior college edge rusher, defensive end, outside linebacker type. South Carolina just offered him today. Um, someone that is um, originally from Carver's Bay in, uh, in Georgetown, South Carolina, and has absolutely blown up in the past week or so. Auburn has offered... Tennessee is offered, Georgia is offered, LSU is offered, South Carolina is offered, and someone that that given that South Carolina, uh, given that he's from South Carolina and they've now offered as well, I think uh, is someone to keep an eye on. He, he's still sort of going through the process and, and kind of figuring out exactly what he wants to do, but I'm going to see if I can get his film up here for you all real quick. Um Really good off the edge, someone that I, I think there's a reason why. If you, if you watch the film, and if you if you're what if you're listening to this on the podcast, 
head on over to GamecockCentral.com. You can watch the film there. But great first step. Um, he's got an inside move. He does a good job of bending the edge. And the interesting thing here, y'all, is that there, there is no junior college season. Th- those guys are going to play in the spring. So that's why you see what is basically scrimmage tape from him that has gotten out and some practice tape that has gotten out. And then th- this kid has absolutely blown up, like I said, the last week or so. And we'll, we'll see what South Carolina can do with him, but I expect them to be a major factor with him moving forward. And I believe, I, I talked to somebody in his camp, I believe because there is no season going on right now that he will be, he projects as a December graduate. So that may mean that he can come in and, and be a, a, a three-year player for South Carolina. So we'll see if he remains a guy to keep an eye on. But from everything I've seen, someone I definitely think you should watch moving forward. Uh, no ranking for him yet. Russ asked, asked if he's a four-star guy. But with, with those offers, certainly he's a pretty highly recruited kid and someone that is going to be worth keeping an eye on. Rivals has not ranked him, but I, I do think he, he's got a chance to be sort of that, that upper three-star, lower four-star type guy just based on that very – I mean, you're talking – this is recruiting in the year of COVID. You're talking about evaluating a guy off of a you know a couple of a couple of seconds of practice and scrimmage film and, and stuff like that. So um, you know we'll we'll see what that is going forward. Craig asked if I've seen CJ Stokes. I have. In fact, um, CJ's dad. I don't know if he's on here today. CJ's dad every now and then will pop in and, and join us here on the show. I saw he commented one time. So if CJ's dad is on here, what's up, my friend? Um, I saw CJ. I've actually seen CJ twice this year. And as good as CJ was as a as a um underclassman, he's even better now. And he's only a junior, he's still getting he's still getting better, but I, I think he's put on some strength, he's put on some good weight, he's maintained his speed, he's someone that can help you in the kickoff return game. He's always looking for a big play. He's a big play waiting to happen. And I think CJ, I think South Carolina is in pretty good shape there. He, he's gotten some new offers this season as the tape has gotten out, but very, very impressed with CJ Stokes. Uh, like I said, I've seen him twice now. I saw him last year. He he was good last year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not downing what he did last year, but to me, CJ looks like a completely different player this year. And I, I mean that completely in a positive way. He looks like a complete back this year. He can help you. He can actually, I think he's running with more power from what I've seen. Uh, he's catching the ball out of the backfield. He's a guy who can do a little bit of everything for you. Great balance. Everybody knows about his speed. And as someone that um, South Carolina really, really likes, obviously. Uh, let's see. Travis says, uh, we need to talk about Juju. Yeah, Juju McDowell. I posted – so Juju McDowell, obviously South Carolina's running back commit, someone that we've talked about before, but Juju just put out his new film. This is updated highlight film of um, Juju Kayla McDowell. And I think it's someone that South Carolina is going to potentially be looking at to 
to maybe come in and, and play early next year because he brings a, a little bit different dynamic to the table than, than maybe their other running backs do. Here, let me see if I can get the film up for y'all. If you And if y'all want to see the full highlight tape, go on over to Gamecock Central. Like I said, if you're listening, you can go over there as well. But Juju McDowell is someone that, from what I've heard, South Carolina really happy to, to have committed. As you see right here, you can split him out wide. He can help you in the slot a little bit. He's good in the downfield passing game. But another guy that's sort of a big play waiting to happen. And, and like I said, I, I think really provides a little different element than to what South Carolina will have coming back with Kevin Harris, obviously Deshaun Fenwick, Marshawn Lloyd. It's a running back group that I think really has reshaped despite the fact that they lost their their top three or four backs from last year. you got to be happy with, with what they have coming back there and with what Des Kitchings has done just in one year at South Carolina. So if you, if you want to see the full tape of Juju McDowell, it's on our front page. You don't have to be a subscriber. It's actually free. So uh, go check that out. GamecockCentral.com. All right, y'all. I think that's going to about do it. We're, we're over the hour mark. I appreciate the time. Appreciate the questions. Appreciate y'all bearing with me as always. And as always, this show is brought to you by Affordable Medical USA. Check them out. AffordableMedicalUSA.com. Give them a call at 803-926-1493. They are home of the game day chair. And of course, um, check us out on GamecockCentral.com. Appreciate y'all bearing with me with it just being me. Uh, Better be back tomorrow. I think he will be. Um, He should be back tomorrow. We'll get a Texas A&M guest on as well. And uh, then we'll roll on through to to A&M. And by the way, I'll I'll be at the game on Saturday if anybody's going to be out and about. Um, Maybe we can stop by and, and, and meet some of you in person. So I appreciate the support as always. The chat has been awesome. Great comments, great questions, and and I mean we don't have to agree on all this stuff just because I disagree with some of you on quarterback or disagree with some decisions. That's cool. We can all talk about it. We can all discuss it, and we don't have to agree on everything. And we can all have a good time with it either way. So, looking forward to tomorrow. Looking forward to the rest of the week, and looking forward to Saturday. Until then, uh, y'all go check everything out on GamecockCentral.com, and also I've got a a recruiting update that I've been teasing since yesterday. I finally almost have it finished. I'm going to have a big Carolina Confidential recruiting update on Gamecock Central. Um, It's 3.05 right now. I promise it's going to be posted by 3.30. So y'all go check that out, GamecockCentral.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.